Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. We saw um, 11 people killed and 19 injured in a massacre on the James Smith Cree Nation. Um, the suspect, Miles Sanderson, as you know, um, was taken into custody late last week and, um, and passed away shortly after he was taken into custody. Now that investigation is underway as to what happened and how he, he uh, came to die. Meanwhile, just because he's been taken off the streets doesn't mean that the investigation into the crime itself happened. For example, on Friday, and um, you probably didn't even hear about this, the vehicle that RCMP originally had said the two brothers were in, uh, a Nissan Rogue, was found um, near Crystal Springs, Saskatchewan, on Friday afternoon. Apparently it had been driven off uh, a side road and parked behind some trees and had been sitting there for a while. So, um, you know, the investigation continues, and it likely will for a very, very long time. Still so many unanswered questions, and Sanderson being dead makes it much more difficult to get some of the answers, but, you know, police will continue their investigation to try and answer as many as they possibly can. To, to talk a bit about how a police investigation like this unfolds from beginning to where we are now and where it may end up, we have Kevin Bryan with us, a professor of School of Public Safety at Seneca College and a retired police detective. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome, Shay. Anytime. So let's just start at the beginning here. When you had the original incident that Sunday morning on the day of the massacre, you've got the crime scene in northern Saskatchewan. You've got the reported sightings in Regina. I mean, we're hundreds of kilometers apart already here. So if you're police trying to get a handle on what's happening and where the suspects might be, how does that play out? You've got dozens of people dead or injured, suspects on the run. What's step one? How do you start trying to bring this into control? Well, I think they learned a lot from the, uh, the the mass killing out in Nova Scotia. I yeah. think the RCMP did learn a lot there with regards to notification of the public, and there was a, they did a lot better job of that uh, in, in getting the notification out. Sure did. Uh, problems come when you get sightings of a vehicle. Eyewitness evidence can be you know pretty unreliable. So if you got somebody in Saskatchewan saying they saw the Nissan Rogue, you know, with, with, without any cameras without any uh you know confirmed sighting where some people actually somebody actually knows yeah. miles and his brother you know and then they said there was two people in it and so and meanwhile the brother was probably dead all the time because his body was found damien's body was found near the one of the one of the uh scenes yeah so you know very very um turns out that was probably an unreliable tip but you know you still have up every tip and let the public know this is a possibility that this is where we uh you know this this is where the the brothers may be located so difficult on the police uh, trying to kind of determine what is actually good information and are we are we chasing red herrings here well that's um, the thing because i mean they had the reported sighting in regina they told us about and then a couple of days later they told us that he had been spotted back on james smith cree nation and i'm sure like you say there were hundreds of tips, not just those two, but uh, exactly. those ones seem to have some level that were at least they said, okay, at least we need to let people know about this. 
Yeah, those two tips that led to kind of alerts to the public, so to speak. Uh, and there were probably hundreds of other ones that they kind of uh, screened and, and, and determined there wasn't enough information there. You know, I, I actually was, uh, I think I was on television or on radio at the time, and I was, I, I actually thought the one with regards to being back at Cree Nation, the, the, the one, that would have been a much more reliable tip because they were well-known in that community. Right, they know him. So I, I would have thought, oh, there's something to this one. But then a short time later, it was no, they're not on the on the on the uh, at the nation and in the community, and so that was that one was eliminated pretty quickly. At least they at least they got that news out there pretty quick, so that was good. Um, now, what's going on in the meantime? Are they bringing in resources from around the country? How are they trying to organize? Okay, Saskatchewan's a big place with a lot of empty space in between these two areas. How do you go about trying to coordinate a manhunt when you really don't know where you're starting? Yeah, and Western Canada had a similar one a couple of years sure ago did, there yeah. with regards to the you know the the two uh, British Columbia boys who were running around. Um, so very 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 difficult. Uh, now that both both uh, accused or both suspects are deceased, things have slowed right down. Yeah. Slow, will, will slow right down. There, the, you know, new, new cycles change as we saw very quickly last week, and, and the urgency to come up with answers. Um, is not as prevalent. Um, I mean, we, we have the death of, of Miles Sanderson that everybody's wondering about. And, uh, how the heck did, uh, somebody in custody wind up dying shortly after, uh, apprehension, so to speak. Um, and, and that will be very slow to come out. I, I, I think they're saying that Saskatchewan is just starting up with their civilian oversight team. I mean, I don't know why they're so slow to the game. I know in Ontario it's been going on for 25 years, and you know, I don't heard. I think it was since 2014 they've had a, a special investigation yeah. team. So, so I, they're they're slow to the game. But anyway, with when you have the investigation of someone in custody, where where there is civilian oversight uh, managing this the, the case, it, it's a it's a very slow process, and information is released very slowly it may i mean the autopsy has been done the cause of death is known um but it may be a long time before it's released to us um, with the officers involved i hope it's i hope it's quick it, you know if, if there's no misconduct on the officer's part i hope it's quick that they, they they release this information but uh sometimes it takes days and weeks and months before okay. we uh yeah the, the investigations are done a little bit backwards when we have a uh, a police officer, as in Ontario, we call them subject officers. You know, there, there's no risk of, there's no major risk to the public that this officer is going to go out and harm somebody else. So the, the investigation is done a little bit backwards, where you actually do the investigation and then determine if there's any actions to be taken against uh, against an individual officer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, normally when we have somebody or, an, you know, normally we'd make that arrest right away. We, we go, you know, grab the guy who beat the person. We grab the guy who, who shot the person. And, and then we do the investigation afterwards. But, uh, you know, it's different in, and uh, with policing and things take uh, a, a lot of time before we're going to have those answers. So, I mean, is that okay? I know there's been a lot of Canadians I've seen, and this is primarily on social media, so take that. For, but a lot of people saying, we need transparency. We need to know what happened. Yeah. I mean, do we need okay. it today? Or, I mean, if transparency comes in six months, is that okay? Yeah, it's it's not as okay as it could be. We'd love to have the information. And I'm sure if the officers, I'm sure the officers would like it out there too, the, the information. If you, I don't know if you saw that, the the the. the um, I don't. I don't think it was a. It was a cell phone video of the arrest. Somebody driving by. Yes, might have that's right. Yeah. Taken a, well, he, here you've got the. You've got Miles Anderson, in a standing position, right against the cruiser, not being. You know, being patted down. His his head is. He, he looks alert. His head is up and to the side. Yeah. It, it looks like a classic. High risk arrest. It, 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 there's, there's no signs of blood or injury punching, that you nobody's can see. Kicking. Yeah, there's nobody lying on top of them who could possibly suffocate them. They're, they're like it, it looks like a, a, a just a normal arrest, and and, a, and and you've got one officer. He's handcuffed behind his back. So with with regards to that, there, there's no indication of, of any police misconduct. It, it looks like an absolutely good arrest. So my my and and I don't. I, I think I'll be found to be right on this. I'm, those injuries, 99% took place prior to the actual arrest. I, I've been at a scene before where somebody's been shot. We didn't realize he was hit. We're handcuffed him. We're searching him. And then all of a sudden we find blood as we're, you know, as we're patting him right. down. We find blood and we have an old, old crap moment and we back off, uncuff him and get some ambulance there, right? So, And, and that could have been the case in this instance too. Um, I, I really believe I, I, it came out early, and, and in civilian investigations, police shouldn't actually release this information. But it did come out that the wounds were self-inflicted um, initially. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, initially, yeah. So if it was self-inflicted, he was. My thinking is he was already bleeding pretty good, probably when the police took him into custody. They were patting him down, they were searching him, and they realized, oh crap, he's injured. Yeah get the ambulance here, do first aid on him, or he passed out. Maybe he had a stab wound to his leg or some hit an artery or something along those lines. Cause uh, if you handcuff yourself, there's no way he could have injured. When I say no way, nothing's impossible, but to, to think that he sure. might've injured himself in the back of that cruiser. Once he was in custody. Is, is, uh, when, and when you're handcuffed behind yeah, your yeah. back, yeah, you know what? You're handcuffed behind your back. Even if you can access a weapon that's in your in your crotch or something like that, try stabbing yourself to death with that. It, it ain't easy to kill yourself. It's yeah. not easy. And so, so I, I really believe, and and I think it will uh, come to um, come to realize that he was already injured when the police were actually searching him. There, he okay. was just uh, had some life left in him. Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, exactly. And those details, as you say, we will find out. Um, last one here, and I and I know um, the investigation is continuing. And as you know, like I say, they found the car on, on Friday. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure there's all kinds of police in northern Saskatchewan. What are they trying to do at this point? I mean, once you've got uh, both of the suspects no longer, you know, to be dealt with, what what's the police investigation focused on now? Okay, so there's no court case coming down the road with regards to the trying of these two these two individuals. But what there will be, I'm certain there will be, or very sure, you know, pretty sure there will be some type of an an inquiry 
into perhaps looking at the parole board, perhaps looking at sentencing. You know, you've got a guy here with, I think he said 59 convictions and he's 30 years old. Well, that's that's an incredible number of convictions at 59 years of sure age to still walk in the street. I mean, because you think about it, every for every crime you get convicted of, there's probably 10 or 15 you did that you didn't get caught sure. for. You know? So when you, when you think about it like that, this guy is just an absolute um, walking, you know, uh, walking criminal, so to speak. And, 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 um, but, but we've got to look at the system. It's, I, I don't blame any particular parole officer. I don't blame any particular judge for sentencing him maybe too leniently in, in, in hindsight. It, it's the system. It's the Canadian system that we have. So, so there may be, you know, that, that their kind of hands are tied with yeah, regards right. to statutory release with regards to this type of, uh, you know, we, we shake our heads that somebody could commit this many crimes and still be out, out and about. And, and let, let's, let's be honest. The, 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 you know, in February, he was released, um, or uh, in February, he was released. Um, somebody got it wrong. I mean, so, so, and, and, or, or the system got it wrong and uh, he shouldn't have been out. Also, he was unlawfully at large since May. And here's, here's where the policing, you know, Here's where some of the policing investigations may be going. If somebody's unlawfully at large at May, well, this is since May. This is September. Like, what efforts were made to apprehend him? What, and, and I'm not blaming the officer whose desk that file is sitting on, because what priority was put on that? Was there any priority put on it? Or is it just a file that sits there, and you're only going to react to it if somebody calls and says, he's threatening me, he's doing this, he's doing that? You know, so I'm sure anybody who's unlawfully at large right now with regards to the uh, parole system is probably being hunted down by their uh, parole officer this week because everybody's probably tying up loose ends because, you know, some I I believe somebody's going to wear that. I I don't know who, but I I think whether it's the officer whose file that was sitting on the parole officer or, or his supervisor, I don't know who's. Who, who, who's going to wear that? But I would imagine somebody does, unfortunately. Yeah, and you make a really good point. You know, just because somebody's on a Crime Stoppers most wanted list in Saskatchewan doesn't mean there's a task force out hunting these people down. I mean, that's very, very rare that there's actually there's not. these forces with time to do stuff like that, right? There's not. They're waiting for a call. Exactly. That's what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. Kevin, great stuff. I really, really appreciate you joining us this morning. Thank you so much.